All right, if you turn to Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14, has anyone here ever lost or misplaced your cell phone? All right, now have any of you, after looking for it, found it in your pocket? Yeah, yeah. I do that actually often. My phone case broke, and I have one of the older iPhones, so it's smaller and lighter, so I don't really notice it in my pocket. So I'm looking around the house, can't find it. I need my phone, and I ping it on my watch, and sure enough, it's in my pocket. And what I needed was on me the whole time. What I needed, I already had. And it's kind of a silly image or illustration, but as disciples, people who want to be successful, to be used by God to do great things, we have to realize that what we need in order to be successful, we already have. We just kind of forget it sometimes, or maybe we just don't know. And in our passage today, we're going to see uh, Jesus teaches his disciples this exact same, this exact same lesson. So look at verse 15 with me. That's where we'll start. Matthew 14, verse 15. It says, when it was evening, the disciples came to him. And he said, this place... They said, this place is desolate. The hour is already late, so send the crowds away that they may go to the villages to buy some food. So Jesus has been teaching. There's 5,000 people there. It's getting late. People are getting hungry. So the disciples say, we need to send them away. Uh, And Jesus' reply to them is, they don't need to go away. Give them something to eat. Okay. So imagine yourself in Gallagher-Ibo Arena. Uh, Gallagher seats 16,000. No, 13,000, I had to Google it. 13,611 people, right? And most think on this day with women and children, there's probably around 20,000 people there. And so imagine yourself in Gallagher, and you got to, in your mind, if you haven't been there, just picture a massive building with a ton of seats, people with little dots at the top. Imagine raising the roof again, putting a whole other section up there, and they'll fill that place up with people. It's packed. And you... Pick 11 other guys. Jesus says, feed these people. And all you have is two hot dogs and five, potato, five bags of potato chips, you know. What do you do? You've got two hot dogs, five bags of potato chips. And Jesus is like, they don't need to go anywhere. You feed them. What are you thinking? Maybe the concession stand? But no, it's a desolate place, right? They're emptied out. Well, the disciples, they, they make this mistake. Look at verse 17. They said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. We only got two hot dogs, five bags of potato chips. That's all we got. So what they're saying is we don't have enough. You want us to do this, but we don't have enough. We're lacking. We don't have what it takes in order to do what you want us to do, Jesus. And the disciples' problem is that they didn't have a problem really identifying the environment, right? It's a desolate place. There's no fig trees. There's no dates. There's no fields to glean. It's empty. Got to send them off. This is an empty, desolate place. But what they failed to do is realize that their circumstances don't define them as disciples. Their circumstances don't dictate their success and their productivity as disciples, you, either, you do it yourself. You either look at what you're lacking and say, I can't do it. I don't have what I need. I only have. Or you look to Jesus and say, I have Jesus. They should have said, like, all right, Jesus, how are we going to play this one? Because they've seen him do miracles before. 
But they look to themselves and what they're lacking, what they don't have, what they can't contribute. And so what they should have said was, all right, man, how do you want to do this? And I don't know about you, and I've mentioned it before, but like Shamgar, I feel like an obscure guy sometimes who's lacking what it takes. Um, like the disciples here who are kind of desolate, right? They don't have what it takes. They're looking around. This is all we have. And I can feel that I don't have it, what it takes sometimes in my marriage. I, I get compassion fatigue. Um, as a dad, I'm starting to worry more and more about like, how am I going to uh, help my, teach my kids to navigate a world that is becoming increasingly backwards. Um, do I have what it takes to teach my kids to live in a world where it might cost them friendships, it might cost them opportunities, it might cost them a career to follow Jesus. But that's not my world that I grew up in, so I'm not sure how to help them navigate. So as a dad, I feel like I don't have what it takes, maybe. I'm not sure if you felt like that also, if you don't have what it takes, maybe, with some marital issues, um, with work, maybe you feel like I just don't have what it takes to be on that next level. Um, I don't know, perhaps maybe you felt like maybe you've plateaued in life, or maybe you've missed your moment altogether. Maybe you, you had that moment and it just it's passed by now. Um, do you have what it takes to lose, to lose a job, to lose a position? Do you have what it takes to lose a spouse, to divorce? to mental health disorder, to death. Um, you have what it takes to lose a loved one. Um, do we have what it takes to lose a child, a grandparent? I mean, you look at the news, people lost their kids recently, didn't they? And people have lost grandparents. So it's not out of the question that we too can lose things. And do we have what it takes? And having lost some of these things, I can tell you, then and now, I did not have what it took, and I still don't have what it takes to lose things. But that's okay, because that pushes me towards a desperate dependency on Jesus, the one who gives me what I need when I don't have anything. Let's look at what Jesus does. Let's see, verse, I've lost my place already. He says, bring them here to me. And ordering the people to sit down in the grass, he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed it, right? He says, give me what little you have. Give me what you think isn't good enough. Give me what you think is lacking. Um, and he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he hands it not to the crowd. Jesus doesn't feed the crowd. He hands it to the disciples because he told them to feed the crowd. So they feed, in verse 20 it says, and they all ate and were satisfied. And here's the thing. How many times do you think you would make trips up those steep stairs at Gallagher? I mean, they're steep. If you've never been there before, I worry about falling down those things. Like, it is steep. How many times, carrying maybe like, I don't know what you call those things that they strap on, full of hot dogs and potato chips. How many times would you go up, empty it all, go back all the way down to Jesus, him fill you back up, climb those stairs again, 
empty it out to that section, go down, and have them fill you back up again. How many times did you make that trip before you realized everything I need, I have from him? Everything I need, I have from him. Because you can't do it with two hot dogs and five bags of potato chips. But he can. What you were lacking, he's not. Everything you need, you already have in him. How many times do you think those disciples got baskets full of fish and loaves, went to those groups of people, emptied it out, and went back to Jesus, and he's like, here you go, here's another basket. How many times do you think they made those trips back and forth before as disciples they realized, everything I need, I have from him? I, I, I feel desolate like these disciples. I, I have very little to offer in terms of strength, wisdom, energy, talent, um, I don't, I, I'm like Shamgar, I lack the resume that Ehud had. Um, but like Shamgar and like these disciples, God can also use me and he can also use all of you, regardless of what you're lacking. Because it doesn't matter because everything you need, you already have from him. He says, give me what you think you don't have. Time, resources, energy. Give me what you think is not good enough. Your teaching ability, your skills, your ability to lead at home, your ability to lead at work, he says, give it to me and watch what I'll do through you. We're desolate disciples on our own. And that's okay because that pushes us into a greater dependency on Jesus, the one whom we have everything we need. That's why I keep repeating this, everything I need I have from him because that's going to be our second statement. Everything I need, I already have from him. It doesn't matter what list of accomplishments you have or the lack thereof. Uh, God uses all of us. He wants to use all of us. And he's not just asking for our complete devotion. He's asking for our dependence on him. Everything I need, I have from him. Now, following this story, there's another story, right? And I think they're connected um, Jesus sends the crowds away. He sends the disciples into a boat. Then he goes up on a mountain and prays, right? Let's look at verse 24. It says, the boat uh, was already a long distance from the land. All right, so who's in the boat? The disciples. Who's on the land? So there's a long distance now between the disciples and Jesus. They're separated by distance. And it says, the boat was battered by the waves, and the wind was contrary, or the wind was opposing them. In this miracle, we now see the disciples, they're in a desperate situation. They're fearing for their lives. They're facing opposition. It's the fourth watch, so it's dark. It's somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. I think it was closer to dawn, but that's just me. It says both this, for Jews, the sea in the night or darkness are terrifying motifs because they represent cosmic forces of evil and spiritual forces of evil. Genesis 1-2, before God intervened, the earth was formless and void, right? It was chaotic, and darkness was over the surface of the water. So what the disciples are experiencing in their mind are chaotic circumstances that mirror a world before God intervened before he came in and subdued the sea and set its boundaries, before he spoke and his voice 
brought light to separate and push back the darkness. They've just been taught in a very dramatic way that everything they need, they have from him. And they're probably in this boat thinking, yeah, everything I need, I have from him, but he's not here. He's not here. We're alone. He's off over there. It's easy to think sometimes God's over there, away from the the raging waves, and he's with the Ehud's and the people with success, and the people who are making a difference, the people who matter. But we matter too, and God is still with us. God is always with us. Genesis 1-2, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. But the Spirit of the Lord was moving over the surface of the water. Look at verse 25. And in the fourth watch at night, he came to them, walking on the surface of the sea, and they were terrified. Did they cry out, look, there's God. He's moving on the surface of the water. Hooray. No, they're terrified. They're screaming out in fear. Ghost. There's some ghoulish phantom here to take us down to Sheol. Verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke. And don't miss the significance that Jesus spoke. Genesis 1-3, God spoke. Let there be light. Jesus spoke, telling them, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And you can almost picture Don's first burst of lights hitting the sky as he spoke and calmed their fears in that dark and chaotic water. His word chased the darkness back, probably of their fear, comforting the disciples in the midst of what they thought were their last moments. So much so, so much That in verse 28, Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Look at the invitation from Jesus, come. Come all who are weary and heavy laden. Come those who are terrified and scared, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find that what you need, you already have in me. The disciples learn from Jesus that everything they have, they already have from him, And then immediately after that, he teaches them here that everything you have, you still have even when you don't have me. And Matthew ties this up neatly at the end, right, of his gospel when he says, in lo, he's quoting Jesus, in lo, I'm with you to the very end of the age. And then he's like, peace out, I'm gone. He goes up in a cloud. So everything we need, we already have from him, even when he's not here physically but we know he's still here with us because he's promised that. I'm with you to the end of the age. And of course, so Peter, he gets out of the boat and he does well. You know, he's walking on the water, but this isn't some little neat trick. You know, it's a picture of victory over opposition. It's a victory of subjugation, of putting your feet under your enemies, under God's enemies. It's a picture of victory that we already have in Jesus over our trials, over our fears, over our less than ideal circumstances, victory over those tough days and even those sad moments. What we need in those times, we already have. We just can't look to ourselves. We have to look to the one who supplies what we need. If you're looking at the things around you that threaten you, you take your eye off the one whom you learn from, the one you serve with, the one you find rest in, 
you'll begin to sink. Look at verse 30. But seeing the wind, Peter, he became frightened, and he, be, and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. If we want to be completely devoted, we want to be desperately dependent, can't take our eyes off Jesus. It's easy to get pulled one side or the other. It's easy when things get really scary and tough to start looking around at the waves and whatever else is scary. But we have to, like I said, these two principles, and this is the second principle, desperately dependent. If we're completely devoted, we're desperately dependent, we can take these principles and make them pillars of our faith. And we practice these every day, regardless of the compartment we're in, regardless of the circumstances we're in. If we apply these and make them constants, like I said, pillars, then God will use you. There's no doubt. And it doesn't matter how big or small, the God of the universe used you in any way is a big deal. Everything you need, you have from him. What you need to weather those storms, whether it's the loss of a loved one, aging. I'm not old, but my body feels old because of my deformity, so I'm getting a lot of wear and tear. Dr. Tupper told me I have the elbow of a 60-year-old, so that's not great news, and I feel it. And, uh, yeah, it's not easy. Aging isn't easy. Um, we have rocky relationships. It's a messed up world, and we're sinners, and there's relationships that need mending. What we need, we already have from Jesus. And there's still that sin. There's sin that stalks us, that wants to, to subdue us. And so we, we have that to battle as well as men. But everything we need to be successful as disciples, as husbands, as leaders, as disciple makers, or, yeah, disciple makers, disciplers, we already have in him. So our first principle, as we close, reminds you, completely devoted, in the statement, every step I take, I must take in step with him. And that's a statement of the heart. It's a statement of devotion. And then the next one is desperately dependent. Our second, so where it says number one, just pretend there's a two there, uh, and our second principle is desperately dependent. In the statement I've, I've repeated over and over, everything I need, I have from him. And it's a statement of humility. And like I just mentioned, if we turn these two principles into pillars of our faith, that we're completely devoted to, to walking in step with Jesus, we're desperately dependent upon him because he provides everything we need, then it doesn't matter how obscure we might feel. And it doesn't matter what skill set we think we're lacking. And it doesn't matter what ability we think we don't have. God will still use you wherever you are in your sphere of influence to do great things for him. He will use you like Shamgar. He'll use you maybe like Bobby Richardson. He'll use you maybe like these disciples. But we've got to be available. We need to be all in, completely devoted, and we need to realize that we're desperately dependent upon him. He's the one who supplies everything we need. So every step I take, I must take with him. Everything I need, I already have from him. Completely and desperately devoted and dependent upon him. 